Welcome back to our podcast. Chronically Iconic Mistakes. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And co-host, Raya. So, obviously you know I moved to North Dakota. It's not like we just met or anything. Um, And it was kind of on like an absolute whim, for those of you who don't know. Yeah, it wasn't really an absolute whim. I mean, you did come to me telling me you were leaving, but you did have a job first, so I guess it was sort of planned. Okay, I just really like the concept that I just, like, disappeared and, like, started a new life, but whatever. I mean, now both of our followers and listeners know that it wasn't a whim. I like how you said both of our followers as if we only have two because, like, probably true. (laughs) It's probably, like, my mom and your husband. I don't think Mike has listened to our podcast, so we've got, like, one one legit follower somewhere. Because <laughs> my husband doesn't do podcasts or something. We're gonna go cry later. <laughs> That's okay, though. We appreciate our, like, two followers. We love you guys. Yes, we love you. <laughs> but anyways, my point about the whole moving to North Dakota thing is that I was extremely lucky and I met some people and got some like tiny connections and I was able to explore this abandoned um, sanatorium. It's called San Haven Sanatorium and they have like this thing set up as like a whole city. Like it literally just became an entire city called San Haven. It's pretty cool. That is really cool, and, like, I remember seeing you post pictures about it, and it's, like, it looks terrifying. It is pretty scary, and that kind of leads me to the first little, like, disclaimer I want to jump on. Um, So, the San Haven Sanatorium has, like, a very dark past. Not too long ago, a kid did explore um, the abandoned grounds, and he actually fell into an elevator shaft, and he died. Oh, wow. So you have to be, like, super careful around there. Yes. I want to start by just saying that, like, San Haven is absolutely gorgeous. And, you know, we were legitimately legally in there. But (laughs) a lot of people do visit um, without permission. And it can easily happen to anybody. Um, There was one area of the building that we went into. And I could, like, tell that the floor wasn't safe. So, you know, you don't really know until you step on it. You really can't tell until you step into these buildings. So I just want to start the episode with saying, like, no matter how safe you are, if you do go visit San Haven, just be extremely cautious because you might think it can't happen to you, but it absolutely can. I mean, it's dark in there. You can't tell where you're going all the time. Um, And the elevators are just wide open now. They're not, like, walled off or anything. Yeah, yeah. Always be careful of your surroundings and make sure you're paying attention. Yeah, absolutely, and it's one of those things where if you're going to go explore, um, you know, when I go to these abandoned buildings, I genuinely think, like, if I die, people will definitely agree that I died doing what I loved. If you can't say that, probably just don't don't go. Right, yep. And I can't even imagine, um, you know, where I'm at in North Dakota and where this is at. It's really in the middle of nowhere, so there's, you know, it's going to take a while for help to get to you, which is probably the scariest part. Yeah, I know you always have to make it like a day or a weekend's trip to even get there, so I feel that. Yeah, it's it's quite a drive, so 
with that being said, like, I just want to throw a disclaimer out there. Um, you know, everything about Sand Haven is really tragic. And, you know, we do laugh a lot during this podcast. And I'm going to say it every single podcast. Um, but that does not take away from the tragedy that has happened at this location. And, you know, we're just going to jump into the episode now. Sounds good. So Sand Haven Sanatorium opened in 1987 as a tuberculosis center. And it's massive. Like I said, it's it's literally its own city now. Yeah, that's crazy. I couldn't even imagine that. Yeah, it's insane. They actually even have, like, their own... Well, they had their own post office. And they let outsiders, like, Freemasonry set up shops in the cabins. And I don't know. I just find it really weird that they did that. Because, you know, I mean, now we know TB is, like, highly contagious. And I'm assuming if they made these sanatoriums, they already knew that that was a problem. Um, but yeah, they let outsiders, um, set up shop and I just find that really interesting. Yeah. Like, I feel like anything with Masons is kind of sketch, but also not a doctor. Yes. We are not doctors, which we like to say every episode because the doctors might come for us. (laughs) We should make t-shirts that say not a doctor. (laughs) Anyways. Yeah. We we need t-shirts because I feel like that is like our main phrase. That is our catchphrase. Yeah. But anyways, my entire family are actually Freemasons, and I don't know, they don't really, like, do anything. Like, people make them out to be this super dark, spooky, secret society, and literally, I grew up just going to benefit dinners that they would host. They would literally just have roast beef dinners and, like, try to rally money to keep the place open and to benefit the community. Okay, well, that's good to know, though, because, like, they always are, like, referred to as, like, a cult or, like, a secret society, and hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, and I mean, I guess I don't know, like, what they were doing back in the day, but um, now they they really don't do anything sketchy. It's just generally benefiting the community, and Um, You actually have to be a mason in order to be a Shriner, and um, for those of you who don't know anything about the Shriners, they are those strange people with the bucket hats that host the, um, like, Shriners Circus, and that is to raise money for the Shriners Children Hospital, and they actually take care of children free of cost um, who have, like, chronic illness issues. Um, so I actually got, like, all of my treatment there because, like, I wasn't able to afford care, and they're pretty amazing. Oh, wow. So, you know, basically, Masons help kids. Yeah, honestly, I don't know why they get this bad rep, but anytime I hear somebody talking about Masons, I have to, like, throw that story out there because I just feel like people are dramatic, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, back on topic, otherwise this is going to be like three hours long. Yeah, very true. Um, so the sanatorium eventually opened its doors to the mentally disabled and basically took on more than they could chew. They actually went from like 12 patients to 1,300 patients in a couple of years. Yeah, that's definitely like a huge jump, and that basically ensures malpractice happens. Exactly, and the hospital did quickly become understaffed, Um, and I mean, if you just look at the area, like, I don't know where you would find people to work there, especially if you have that many patients. Like, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere, and there aren't really a lot of people in North Dakota. Like, we're not known for our population density. 
Right, yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Like you said, you literally have to go in the middle of nowhere, and there's obviously not going to be enough staff for that many people. They're going to be so overrun. Exactly. And that was really one of the, like, biggest complaints about the sanatorium. Um, They weren't taking care of people because they literally had no staff to do it. Um, So... Anyways, because of that, they ended up being sued. I mean, they kind of deserved it. History has been very wrong very many times, and, like, this whole story in general is a giant no-no, especially when we get to part two, because this is a part two series. Um, But, you know, like most things, a lot of past residents here will say that neglect never happened and will deny the abuse. Mm Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you can clearly see how growing from 12 patients to 1,300 would cause understaffing. Yeah, most definitely. And we always know, like, history is not always right, obviously. Exactly. And, I mean, not to mention, it's really common for people to deny the past being incorrect and to deny that these horrible things happened on their watch. I mean, nobody wants to admit that happened but understaffing causes issues. Yeah, definitely. So while these people deny it happening, I've read in North Dakota Abandoned, which is this like amazing blog that documents ghosts of North Dakota. Um, if you haven't checked them out, you totally need to. They take like really cool photos of just like the weird abandoned places. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, he was lucky enough to get an interview with this woman named Mary. I couldn't find the last name, but she claims that she was at Sandhaven Sanatorium as a child. Um, and reading through, she basically describes it like living in a prison. Um, she even recalls that the four girls she roomed with became annoyed with her for being loud, and they held her down and threatened to burn her with a cigarette. Wow. I didn't know, like, like actual literal children were here. That's so sad. Yeah, yeah, they took just about anyone, and it's really interesting because I see her um, kind of, like, response to things, and they sound really bad, yeah. and then I found a few adults, and their care didn't sound that bad, but I also don't really have, like, a time period of when they were there, because if you were there when there's 12 people, it might not be that bad, right? Like Right, yeah, like, it, it, it'll change, you know, as more people go into the, you know, facility, so... Makes sense. So I don't, yeah, I don't know exactly when they were there, and I just found it just really interesting that they all had, like, these just completely different experiences, which might even explain why some people in the past can say, oh, this didn't happen, because maybe it didn't when they were there. And, I mean, not to just brush over the fact that kids were literally smoking at this time frame. Like, how insane is that? Uh, yeah, I mean, my hypothetical daughter would not be smoking or left alone <laughs> in a freaking pack of children like wolves. Dude, exactly. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm like, mortified that these kids are just smoking. And then they're threatening to burn her with a cigarette on top of it. Like, okay. Yeah, that's messed up. What are you, like... In your 40s. (laughs) And, like, children are scary, dude. Like, Mike and I were at a hotel this weekend, and we were swimming in, like, the pool because nobody was there, and it was great. And then this, like, pack of teenage 
boys come in and I just like felt so disoriented because they're just like yelling and running. (laughs) Not the teenage boys. (laughs) I know. It was it was terrifying. Like I'm just gonna be honest. Honestly, if you want a scary movie, even if it's funny, just add a child that doesn't say anything. I swear to God. That's it. That's all you have to do. Children are fucking scary. They are. (laughs) Their brains are not developed, and they have, like, no boundaries, and they will fuck you up if they learn how to. I think that's probably why we don't have children. (laughs) We're, like, mortified that we'll just have, like, the Samora ring child, like in our homes yeah or the child from orphan like no thank you oh good lord yeah (laughs) i'm good i am i'm so good not having that situation yep i'll pass (laughs) but anyways i like 100 percent love that you referred to them as a pack of children like (laughs) ew (laughs) i mean especially in this circumstance i mean they are literally like threatening to burn a child with a cigarette so they kind of are like a pack of children so it's fitting exactly this is like some lord of the flies shit like this is what they warned us about for some reason in middle school (laughs) honestly it kind of does sound like that it's pretty terrifying but i'm just saying like if kids can get away with this they were neglected i mean straight up Mm mm-hmm so Around a thousand patients died at San Haven Sanatorium, and I mean, it's really not that surprising when you think about like them getting away with something like that. There's going to be a lot of neglect, but on top of it, at this time frame, you actually had a fifty percent chance of dying from tuberculosis. Yeah, you're a glass half empty kind of person. I'd like to say I would definitely survive. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I guess call me a pessimist <laughs> if that means I'm not happy with the odds of that. But um, it was a particularly dark time. Like true. Yeah, like, some of the treatment for tuberculosis at the time was just, like, absolutely absurd. Um, In the article done by The Atlantic, they mentioned several doctor statements, and most of them were claiming fresh air being the main treatment. Um, And, yeah, expanding on that, that is actually why the San Haven Sanatorium was built in the Turtle Mountains. Because the fresh air... And the solitude from the Turtle Mountains would heal them. No, dude, that sounds like a bad MLM speech. I, oh my god, don't you hate that? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like somebody from Facebook should hit me up and be like, hey, I know we haven't talked in 10 years, but this fresh air I'm selling will heal you. Have you tried moving to the mountains? <laughs> I did, it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not doing anything. But yeah, it's literally like the equivalent of telling people to do yoga when you tell them about your lifelong illness. Honestly, yeah. Like, you know, if you tell them about it, no less, they're really like, have you tried my new herbal tea? Exactly. Oh my god, I hate that. I'm gonna take this supplement that I'm selling for $10. You'll be cured. <laughs> I wish it was that easy. Oh my god, I do too. So while I was reading, I found it especially interesting that money was still like a huge problem in this time frame and it really reminded me of like the COVID-19 experience that we have literally all just enjoyed. Ah yes, 
our Ponderosa of 2020. <laughs> I will never not die from that trend. <laughs> I know. It's I will never not die. I feel like I just, like, come up with new words every, every day. Like, suddenly there are so many words that start with pan, you know? Yep. <laughs> like. Yeah. We are all thesauruses now. I feel like it just helps deal with, like, the trauma that a lot of people had to endure, though. It does, and I feel like that's why we're so, like, joking during our podcast. Like, it it makes it so much easier to deal with the tragedy, for sure. So, yeah, we're gonna hold on to that trend. We're gonna be, like, in our 80s in a nursing home. Just talking about the panoramic. Yeah, we'll make a whole new podcast dedicated to the panoramic. Yeah, it'll just be us, like, reminiscing about that time that we didn't have to socialize for, like, a year. Because that was that part was good. But let's be honest, like, me and you haven't really seen each other since the pandemic hit. So, like, it's been rough. Oh my god, we haven't. It's basically heartbreaking. Do you remember when we went to the Bernie rally? Like, (laughs) we didn't live enough, you know? Like, we should have eaten at all the restaurants while we were out there. We should have, like... We didn't think it would be our last time seeing each other. I know. Man. Man. Thumbs were the times, you know? Yeah, when you could breathe that fresh air. Yeah, yeah, and then you know what? Maybe that's all we needed for our panoramic. Maybe if everybody just got fresh air, we would be done already, you know? That, that makes sense. No, don't let Fox News hear this. Hold up. I said that, and immediately I was like, wait a second. This is literally things I heard during the pandemic. <laughs> so don't listen. Get your vaccine, if you can, please. We would love to be able to socialize and see one another again. <laughs> Heck Yeah. That'd be fun. Um, but to get off this topic, because, like, at this point, we're just, like, rambling. Yeah. I would really like it if you could read a little bit of the quote from The Atlantic so we can reminisce on the panoramic some more. All right, sure, Ken. I quote, and he notes, many ailing people lacked the money they needed to buy themselves entry into facilities to support them and their families while they were there. It was more imaginable for a person of resources and wealth to contemplate going into a sanatorium than it would be for somebody who is a working-class poor breadwinner, Mooney said. Just taking months of work wasn't a possibility for everyone. Questions of disease and civic duty, he said, were complicated by the weight of patients' other responsibilities, jobs, families, homes that could not easily be left behind. Even after scientists realized the importance of containment, Western nations failed to build a health infrastructure that could effectively combat the infectious diseases of the 19th and 20th centuries. TB killed hundreds of thousands of people. I think if you're going to ask people to do these things, to enter sanatoriums and isolation hospitals, or even to self-quarantine in their homes for extended periods of time, You're going to have to have social support networks in place, Mooney said. Spaces can only contain a disease after all, if the people carrying it have the motivation and the means to use them. So, yeah, 
I guess we didn't learn literally anything from TV and apply it to COVID because wouldn't you know, we did the same thing here in the States again. We expected people to stay home even if that meant they starved. It doesn't work that way. Like, mm -hmm. you have to have a system in place for this. Yeah, but we wouldn't want socialism. Right, I mean, the socialism. I forgot we're afraid of that. Of course we would be. Anyways, I ended up in an absolute rabbit hole while I was researching this, and I found an even worse sanatorium story. I absolutely had to cover it, and um, yeah, this is why it's going to be a two-part, but we're going to get into it just a tiny bit before we stop. It gets worse? I mean, it kind of always does, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, I should probably stop saying that because I feel like there's always, like, a rock rock bottom before we move on up. Yeah, it's, it's, there's always somewhere else to go. Like, you might hit rock bottom, but, like, hell's right below you. You know what I mean? Yeah, let's just keep digging. Like, it's fine. You know, let's see where this really goes. So, surprisingly, this sanatorium is in, like, our favorite place, Canada. Woo! And it, <laughs> that was so unenthusiastic, and I love it. <laughs> You're just like, okay, bitch, what's happening? Um, yes, woo, indeed. It is in Canada. Um, and it's not very far from me. I actually live, like, right on the Canadian border. So this sanatorium is called Brandon Sanatorium in Manitoba, Canada. And they were doing some experiments on how to treat TV. I mean, it sounds good in theory, like research is a good thing. It's how we cure things. Right. And like, I am literally so pro-science normally. Like, please sprinkle science on literally everything. Yes. Just give me all the vaccines. Like, I don't even care. You say it's a vaccine, give it to me. Dude, I feel that in my soul. Like, I really do. Um, but their test subjects actually didn't know they were being experimented on until looking back on their experience. Wow. Yeah, I prefer, like, experiments that give you consent first. Oh my god, yes. Like, I only want to volunteer to be experimented on, but, like, call me crazy, I guess? You're crazy. Oh, I mean, like, I know, but I feel like I'm right about this one, you know? I just feel it in my bones. Yeah, I always thought it was really messed up with, like, how they would just experiment and not tell you back then. Yeah, it, and it's super messed up. Um, and I had no idea that any of this was happening around tuberculosis, and that's why we're making it a two-parter. For those 12 people that downloaded our first podcast, we are obsessed with you. Um, definitely hope to see you on part two. Wait, 12 people downloaded our podcast? Yes. Oh my god, you haven't been watching their stats? I've been obsessed. I'm like logging in every five minutes. No, I literally thought it was just my, my mom. That's freaking awesome. Yeah, you guys are fantastic. We love you. We have to we have to call them something. We'll think of something to call you. Our bitches. It sounds like a threat, but we mean it as a good time. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we have we have to end this. You are twelve reasons why I do this. <laughs> That's like my favorite. That's what we're going to call you guys our 12 reasons to live. 
So like, so like you basically have to download this podcast now. Please download this because I need to. I need to feed my twelve children and seven starving dogs. Um. Okay. We don't have Please. children. We don't. We have no starving children. But at least I don't think we do. We would like know, right? We'd know if we had children. Unless you were experimented on. <gasps> Holy shit! You're right. Maybe we have twelve children, guys. We don't know. We don't know. Can we end now? <laughs> yes. I'm being held hostage. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> just, just goodbye. We will see you in part two. <laughs>